You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Jason Young. He is the author of Don't Burn Out, Burn Bright. Jason, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Zach. Good to be here, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, To kick us off, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Share with the audience uh, what you think would be helpful as we enter into this conversation around your new book. Yeah. So, you know, 20-ish years, church staff in the trenches, doing things well and not doing things well. The the high, the (laughs) highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Um, loved being on, uh, church staff with, with most church staff members. <laughs> um, uh-huh. and I also now I'm not on a church staff full time, but I work with churches as a, as a consultant and coach. Um, and then also work with businesses as well, really around leadership development, kind of just their personal life teams, the healthy teams they're trying to build and what it looks like to build these remarkable guest experiences, uh, for, for churches and businesses. Awesome. And so with that experience in mind and, and that background, how did you come up with the idea to write this book? Don't burn out, burn bright. Well, what it, what twofold, what caused you to explore yeah. that, that side? Uh, of we were seeing a lot of it post pandemic, not that it didn't exist pre or during. Um, I was also doing some research for some just some doctoral stuff uh, in the process, stumbled on a few things, but I also was feeling a little bit of it myself. And so just through conversations with uh, Jonathan that I, you know, co-write books with, we just kind of landed on like, what does it look like to, you know, at the time it was to recover from burnout. Publisher said, no thanks, because a lot of books are out there on the subject. So you guys need to come up with a better idea, which was actually ended up being a great thing. We took the book, kind of flipped it on its head, and we really wrote from the perspective of how do you prevent burnout? And not just that, how do you keep your joy in life and at work? You know, whether you are at a business, you're Christian leader to business, or you're on staff at a church. So it's a little bit of a combo of that's where it's like, don't burn out, burn bright, which we're talking about your joy. And so that's, that's kind of really the idea. I think it's, we read about it. We had friends struggling with it. I was kind of feeling some of that. And then Hmm. lo and behold, a book was birthed. Hmm. Why, why do you think that that is a upticking trend in the ministry space right now? Uh, I mean, obviously you said it, it was happened before COVID COVID probably had a big impact on that, but like, what's, is, is this a Western thing? Is this a Western church thing that's happening? Is it a global thing that you're seeing? Like what's causing this to be something that's so regular? Cause I'm seeing it too. I'm, I'm recognizing it with the ministries that we work with. I'm seeing it all over the place, just being in this space as well. Um, what, why do you think that that is such a big problem yeah. right now? Um, you said it earlier, it, it was already happening. And I think really what happened, it's not that it's new. I think it got accelerated, really, that kind of that pandemic was an accelerant, if you will. Um, but I think some of the same reasons now were actually already in existence. It just might be happening faster or happening on a more widespread level. I think uh, we see an increased workload and stress. Um, I see, uh, I think we have an increased amount of isolation and loneliness. I specifically think through the pandemic, there was significant levels of grief and loss, not just like loss of life, but you know, you think Mm -hmm. pastors that had people in their churches dying, you know, I talked to many that were like five and 10 and 15 people dying 
Uh, but the grief of people leaving their church or not coming back or, you know, things of that nature, the financial strain. So I think finances changed in their in the church, which, you know, that's part of the responsibility of, of that pastor. I think there was uncertainty and fear that started creeping in more and more. Um, I think the expectations that people put on church staff and that church staff put on themselves, some of which are absolutely asinine uh, and completely unfair. I think there's increased levels of emotional labor, right? So church staff, they're called to, you know, provide emotional support and care to others. Well, they have their own, so it drains them and it's emotionally taxing. They got nothing left in the tank. Um, I think there's conflict, and by conflict, I mean like role conflict. So I think there's tension in their professional and personal beliefs and then their professional personal lives, if you will, you know, and then, I mean, home, right? People at home, money at home, rhythms at home. I mean, the struggles that come with that. So I think any and all of those things, whether one or more, it, it it's just a lot. And I think, again, some of those might have been newer out of, out of the pandemic. I think they've all been around. I just think it got, it's faster and it's maybe more robust and the impact is, is much more. And so we're seeing, you know, significant percentages, which there's a lot of research out there on different percentages of, of this. So, yeah. How much do you think it, the, this idea of the priesthood of all believers, the, the, that doctrine plays into this, that we've put so much emphasis on the pulpit doing all the ministry and they are there just to put on a show for like that consumer mentality and behavior in the West. Do you think that the weight that's put on and an expectation that's put on ministers and ministry leaders to be the ones that do all ministry and the expectation that like we all have a role in this. We're all called to this Matthew 28 call to go therefore and make disciples plays into that conversation as well. I think it's fair. It's hard though, Zach. It's hard maybe for a couple of reasons. One, I do think people do this, whether they knowingly do it or not. Um, two, I think church staff members do it to themselves, whether they know it or not. Uh, three, I think it depends on the type of person you're talking about in the church. So, for example, if you're talking about somebody who follows Jesus, they're in love with him, they're, you know, they're doing it maybe or not. But then you have somebody who is coming to church maybe for the first time. They don't follow Jesus and they're doing it. So you got two different types of people. You know, one does it. They don't know maybe up from down as it relates to faith and the role of a, you know, their pastor and staff member, et cetera, et cetera. Then you have the other person over here who may or may not know, but for whatever reason, you know, has those expectations uh, on them. Sometimes I think there is an ownership level on the church staff. Sometimes I think we actually, uh, it's a self-inflicted wound. Um, I'm not saying all of it by any means, but I can look back at my own life and recall moments and very specific things that were self-inflicted, but I wanted to blame other people. I didn't know what I didn't know, but as soon as I kind of got a mirror held up to me, I realized, oh, that's me. That's not them. That's me. So I think there's just kind of this messy combination of all of these things that do contribute, you know, to, to some of this. And quite frankly, maybe a big piece of this and all the churches I worked in, I never saw this. And, you know, maybe one church I saw it more so than others. And I've worked for some reputable churches and well-known churches. I don't know that our church environments create the space to say no, to struggle, to ask for space. Uh, you know, Oftentimes I hear, well, our pastor's going to take a sabbatical. And sometimes, and I actually did this at one of the churches, I want to say, well, what about all the church staff that are here the same amount of time the pastor is? Now, yes, they're not on the platform preaching, but they're deep in the trenches with people. And people, they're awesome and they're exhausting. Again, we talked about emotional labor. So sometimes <laughs> I think the church doesn't create the best space to produce the healthiest people 
that can then help to create the healthiest church. So sometimes we do it to ourselves. Hmm. Yeah. So what are, what are some ways that ministry leaders and pastors can create um, some rhythms that create like the sustainable rhythms of work and rest to avoid these things? Is it a rhythm? Is it a rhythm thing? Is that the, is that one of the bigger um, solutions to this problem? I, I think a lot of it is, uh, Zach, for many, many years, I, I hear this phrase. They're like, uh, you know, this, this kind of work-life balance. One time somebody said that to me. I'm like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. They're like, you know, when you balance work and life, I'm like, I, no, I don't. I, I, because here's the, here's the problem I have with that. How do you know when you're balanced? Like, how do you know? How do you know you've gotten to the place? You, I've never met anybody that knows. I don't know. And I'm, I'm halfway educated, you know, and researched and done the work. I don't know. And maybe, maybe there's something I'm missing. So I like the word rhythms better because I think there are rhythms and seasons where these things show up. So maybe like for right now, you know, you think around the Christmas holiday, the rhythm is different and more demanding than it might be in February. I don't know. Or it might be, you know, maybe in the summer, it looks different for a church staff than it does in January, right? So when you rhythmically look at maybe a church calendar, you can also kind of rhythmically look at yourself, you know, so for, for me, it might be, you know, I'm going to use this particular, you know, season to do A, B, and C, or this season to do X, Y, and Z. I, I mean, we live in, we live in seasons of life, you know, right? Fall and winter and spring and summer, like there's a natural churn. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's the framing on how I look at things. Here's the thing. If it's hard 365 days a year, that's not a rhythm. That's a problem. And I don't think that we're built to do hard or unnecessarily hard in the length of a marathon, but we can sustain it in a sprint. I mean, and that's really the idea. If we were to have three columns and think of what column one is stress, column two is exhaustion, column three is burnout. I think part of it is this progression of we all have stress, very normal. Work stress, home life stress, things we're struggling with in our own lives, maybe nobody knows about that stressful, financial stress, et cetera. You get the point. But if we don't, if we don't mitigate that, if we don't create a plan to cope with it in a healthy way, that leads us to exhaustion. What exhaustion is, it's this, I'm just I'm just so tired. I just don't have much left in the tank. But the beautiful thing about exhaustion is if I can adjust a few levers like sleep, food, hobby, you know, time at home, what, if there are a few levers I can identify and I can adjust those, I can bounce back from exhaustion. If I don't do anything in the stress column, I don't do anything in the exhaustion column, I get to the burnout column, you don't bounce back from burnout, you, you crawl out. And you don't crawl out by yourself. So you can get there alone, but you don't get out alone. So it's a different experience. And so when you think about burnout, it's actually tech, it's, it's technically a psychological syndrome that you have had excessive stress length and depth, right? Amount of stress for just too long. And you got nothing left in the tank. And so it takes longer to crawl out of that. And I'm speaking from experience uh, and working with leaders in the same way. So I find that seasons and rhythms are helpful to understand, realizing it might be more difficult this season, schedules crazy or whatever. So we have to just adjust and to be in control a little bit more versus, well, it is what it is. It's like this 365. And I'm like, who told you that? Which brings me to this quote. Burnout and leadership is not inevitable. I was never told that in any church I worked in, in seminary, doctoral work, undergrad, nothing. In fact, I was told the opposite. Because when you sacrifice and when you give it all, it's actually just part of it. And I'm in this book process, I'm like, that's a myth. Burnout is not inevitable. 
And so I think what we need more leaders to take more control, to do the hard work, because you're either going to recover from burnout or you're going to prevent it. Choose your own adventure. I want to help people prevent it and have more joy in their work and in their life. You were being told in seminary that burnout was yeah, inevitable? Yeah, just part of it. Part of it. When you're all in, when you give it your all. That's really sad. It is sad. And I'm not saying that. It's just I'm not happen. saying the seminary yeah. itself believed it, but there were, there were voices, um, professors. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it's just kind of part of the journey. So I thought it was part of the journey. Probably more of their experience. That was their experience. And so that was just interjecting into yeah, what maybe. they taught. And I realize it's not inevitable. We got to do things differently. Yeah. So what are some of those rhythms look like? I mean, we, we see a rhythm outlined in Genesis, yeah. um, but maybe some more practical things for ministry leaders. What is, what are you guys recommending in this book? And what have you seen that's been helpful for the ministry leaders you've worked with? Yeah, I think there's, there's some high level rhythms and then there's some rhythms kind of underneath those that may support them. So, you know, when I think about the table of contents of this book, the first chapter tees up, Hey, leadership is exhausting, right? We, 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 we call it out. Exhausting. Isn't necessarily a bad word. It's not like this curse word. Um, it's exhausting, but adjust some of the levers. You can bounce back. You don't have to stay there, right? Think rhythmically. The next um, 10 chapters are really rhythms or ideas or things to consider that can actually help you prevent burnout. Now, if you, if you say, Jason, I'm already down the road. I'm already there. Will the book help me recover? Yes. And then the final chapter is really like, how do I maintain health? So I would say that the 10 chapters in the middle... I don't even think you got to read all 10. In fact, there's an assessment, a free um, leadership health assessment at don'tburnoutburnbright.com. 35 questions. The beautiful, my favorite thing about the, the assessment is when you're done, it will, it will give you a result that has one item. And that item, the idea, it's not a perfect assessment. The idea is this is one item that more than likely is going to contribute or is contributing in real time to potential exhaustion and burnout. Then you take that one item and it actually ties back to one of those chapters in the book. Start there. You don't even have to start at the very beginning of the book. Just start with that one thing for you. Because I think that rhythms, big rhythms in 10 of these chapters are helpful. Like, you know, mm -hmm. if you need to release control, you know, sometimes maintaining too much control, it's exhausting and leads to burnout versus like trusting your team, right? Um, you know, knowing you're enough, a lot of us show up and we don't, we don't believe we're enough for whatever reason. So there's some rhythms in there to work on these different things. Um, we talk about peace. We talk about rest. One of the rhythms we talk about, <laughs> I was surprised I hadn't gotten that much hate mail on it. So I'm an right author. You're a podcaster. <laughs> um, one of the things that we talk about in the book is maybe just maybe you need to quit listening to podcasts and reading books and checking out the news and following social media because in the effort of learning and knowing and doing more, it actually disrupts the peace that you're trying to get in your life. So in order to maybe find some peace, maybe you need to step away for a season. I did this. I didn't listen. I loved it. People say, well, what podcast do you listen to? Nothing. What? What book are you reading? Nothing. Why? I needed to rhythmically adjust the noise level in my life, the volume of what was happening for a season. And guess what? I'm done with that season. I'm back. I'm reading this and that. I'm listening to this and that, watching this and that. So I think in the book, there's high level. And then in these chapters, there's some very tactical things like I just gave you or rest or your day off or for the sake of life, Saying no, which is mm. sometimes this is another thing I don't think the church environment is very helpful with is giving people permission to say no or teaching, especially teaching young leaders. How can they say no? Mm. 
Now I've been for Advent. I've been giving up social media, and I have noticed. I'm stress is one of the things that I deal with on a pretty regular basis. Is no matter how many times I put that thing down at feet of the foot of the cross, <laughs> next day I'm picking yeah. it back up. <laughs> and so, as we were coming into Advent, it's like, man, I want to give something up. And so it was social media, and man, the difference that I've mm. noticed in my stress levels, just not being online and paying attention to what's going on in the news and um, consuming the mindless content that I generally like to yeah. consume. It, you, you run to those places thinking my tendency is, man, I just want to veg and I want to check yeah. out. It, you, you go there with the hope that it's going to provide the rest yeah. that you're looking yeah. for. And it just never no. delivers. Like it never delivers on what it promises. And and having separated myself from that, I've noticed a massive change in my stress levels. It's like, oh, this is in, in, impacting me and affecting me in far greater ways than I than I thought. And I felt like I had a pretty good control yeah. over it. And it didn't consume everything. It was, I mean, it filled a lot of the gaps in my life, um, but just not having it is has been totally refreshing. Well, and so. listening to you, there's this, there's, you know, there's this peace element. Um, and it's interesting, you know, when we kind of look at like Shalom, right? When we study this in the Bible, like what, what does that mean? And what's the impact of that? Right. But I also think of like this idea of boundaries, really what you're establishing for yourself, it is a boundary, you know, in fact, we write about in one of the chapters, right. um, establishing healthy relational boundaries. We talk about three categories of people in our lives. Uh, they're people we get from. So like mentors or therapists or, you know, people like that depositing in us. Uh, another category is people we sit with. So friends, colleagues, you know, we're kind of walking the journey uh, with. Um, could be small group, things of like that. And then third category of people people we give to. So those we're investing in making deposits, right? So I think when we have these boundaries, it's not just with people like giving you those examples, but it's also with, you think about the people in social media, like we're in control who we give access to. And I don't know that we're great at that. I can't, I'm not on here saying I am a perfect example of that because I'm not. But are things I am working on, like I, I am in control of the people I give access to my life. And man, social media, they have it easy because they just show up. They're there. So, but it's not just with that. I think it's with news. It's with, you know, maybe people dig YouTube, you know, whatever it might be. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not saying to abandon those things. What I am saying is rhythmically from a healthy, like, Maybe it's stepping back and maybe that, that assessment can be helpful. Maybe it's asking yourself, you know, do you, do you show some of the signs of, you know, of being exhausted, you know, being burnout, especially, especially in a, in a society that says the people that get respected the most are those that hustle the most. And society, yeah, <laughs> society and the church. I have worked in the church, and this happens at every church I've worked yep. in. They celebrate the fact that Jason hustles. I never was in a meeting where we celebrated healthy, but we celebrated mm. Jason gets up or rest to celebrate hundred percent. No, hey, you great, great job taking a yeah, day off. No, it's it's. <laughs> You know, I coach staff members all the time, senior pastors to different positions. And I'm like, hey, you know, it's Friday, you're off day or whatever, because I don't want to bother you. And they're like, it's fine. I do stuff anyways at the church. I'm like, no, I'm not calling you on. I'm not calling you on Friday. Well, I'll be around. I said, I'm not calling you. We're not going to do it on Friday. We'll do it during a normal work day. But I think, I think we have to help staff make better decisions and reward that. Versus always rewarding the hustle. Look, I want you to hustle. I want you to work hard, but I want you healthy. And I think that's what we've got to care about. And mm -hmm. I think this is dangerous for me to say, 
I think sometimes we care more about the health of the people showing up at our church on the weekends than we do about the people that show up in our churches on staff during the week. And that shouldn't be. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying you don't care about one more than the yeah. other, but if your staff, if they're creating experiences for people to grow in their faith, come to faith, etc., I want them to be the healthiest possible version in their families that they can be. And as a leader, that should be something that I deeply care about. Yeah. I've been playing around with fasting as well during this time, just like food mm -hmm. fasting. And if you know me, I'm obsessed over food. I love cooking. I love eating. I love everything around the idea of food. And so it's not something, it's not a spiritual discipline that I've ever really meddled right. with. Like, it's just, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> and so I, I've been messing around with it a, a little bit lately. And man, I'm, I, one, I'm finding after some of these fasts, like I'll, I'll do a day, I've done a three day fast, water fast, and a, a couple day full day, like 36 hour mm -hmm. water fasts. And one post those fasts. Once I start eating again, I'm finding my body almost within the week going, I want to mm -hmm. do that again. Like I feel I want to do that again. Like there's a, there's a hunger for it, which is totally weird because when I'm in the middle of the fast, I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. I hate it. There's nothing about it that is fun. Um, but this, this idea of denying ourselves, um, that even though our our brain wants to tell us like yeah that's not that's not something that you should do and it's not fun and why would you want to put yourself through that suffering um i think there's something to be said about it and now you see that this be, is becoming this this massive mm. trend uh, the secular world is pushing fasting as a as a really healthy helping like go figure that god would call us mm -hmm. to something that is actually beneficial yeah. to us but um, yeah, the idea of denying yourself, um, and and within for people like you and me, and a lot of ministry leaders that I talk to, who have drive and they are fine going seven days hard every single week, and it doesn't really bother them. Um, sometimes it's a it's a practice of denying that that I think he's calling yeah. us to, to. It's not a matter of like whether or not you actually need the rest, especially in this world where I sit at a desk all day. I'm not out in the field in an agricultural setting, like really actually working physically yeah. hard, right? So we can push seven days a week really pretty easily. Um, it, it That posture, my buddy Matt Davis uh, of the Jewish Road says it like this, like the, the process of, resting specifically around a Sabbath rest is much more about me spending time trusting God and, and really pouring into that mentality than it is about whether or not I need physical rest. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on some of those things? I yeah, said? I think it's fair. I think sometimes people hear rest. Well, I need to rest in order to have energy to keep going. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's bigger than that. I don't think that that's the, that's the yeah. drive. And I guess, you know, for anybody listening, I would say, you know, you're talking about kind of decisions that yield change. I mean, here's one thing about change and, and maybe we all know this in some way, but change doesn't happen until I know enough that I can care enough that I want to, or hurt enough mm -hmm. that I have to. Right. And usually it's that third Heard enough that I have to, that I'm like, uh-oh, I better change. And I think that's why this book <laughs> yeah. is so important. Not that, you know, I wrote it, but it's like it doesn't have to get to the place of hurt before we make better decisions, you know, to keep our joy. So maybe you're you're listening right now. Um and you feel discouraged or you lack energy. Or between you and me, maybe you no longer care for people like you used to, but you don't want anybody to know that because, I mean, that wouldn't be good for you, right? You're supposed to care for everybody. Maybe you don't care about things 
that you used to care about. Maybe you don't feel as creative. Maybe you have brain fog. Maybe when you go home, you respond more aggressively or you're more irritable with your family. Maybe your fear has crept in. This was, this was, this is especially for me. You're unwilling to try new things. You're unwilling to reach out to people. Um, you're slacking on time with God. You're maybe what used to be basic for you. You're, you're no longer brilliant at the basics. You know, when you find yourself at a place of some of these, all of these beyond these, those is not exhaustive. It might be a, it might be a time for you to depress pause and to begin kind of this evaluation of, you know what? That's me. That's me. And I don't, I think, I think we get there because we get wooed, Zach, we get wooed into um, things like that are real struggles, perfectionism, ego, pride, addictions, difficult relationships, mm-hmm. wounds that haven't healed, incessant hurry. I think a lot of us are addicted to motion. Yeah spiritual shallowness, right? And so what I want to say, if you're listening right now is you don't have to stay there. You can draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? I don't have to, Mm -hmm. and be willing to make a commitment to put in the work to not stay there. And I'll tell you this, I think too much, Dr. Jim Wilder does a lot of work. He's kind of given this title of a, a neuroscience theologian, but he tries to integrate brain work, neuroscience with theology. And he talks about a lot of our disciplines are, have been presented as brain, uh, left brain activities versus right brain activities or right brain activities, namely around doing it in relationship that allows us to go further faster, not doing it for the sake of checking it off or a task and doing it alone. And so I like... I need somebody else to do this with me. Mm-hmm. And so maybe there's some of that, right? I'm how do I get how do I get unstuck? You know, you might have gotten there alone, but like I said in the beginning, you won't get out alone. And so it is kind of partnering with somebody yeah. else or a group of people that can help you, you know, get to a healthier place. That Dr. Jim Wilder sounds a lot like uh you know, or have, if you ever heard of Dr. Kurt yep. Thompson, yeah, same idea, like brilliant Christian psychologist doctorate in all things, how the brain works and storytelling. That's why I know about him. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Dr. Thompson fan just because of his insights on storytelling and the implications for storytelling and testimony in our faith. And so as you were talking about dr jim wilder it's like oh that i wonder if they uh i don't know yeah jim (laughs) dr dr jim has been doing work in this space for i don't know 40 plus years um and you know just has some really great in fact i was at the gym earlier today and just listened to another one of his books and just being reminded of kind of the i mean god created our brain so this isn't like society going we have discovered this thing about the brain and it's like, <laughs> um, God created the brain. I think we're kind of late to the party and realize it's kind of like you were yeah. talking about earlier, like on fasting, you know, this was in the Bible a long time ago and society is like, Hey, we discovered yeah. a new cool thing. I think it's the same way. Guess yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, God's <laughs> like, Hey, I, I actually made the brain. Um, and so I think we're a little bit late to yeah. the party and kind of, you know, but there's so much to understand, but, I think the encouragement is we don't have to stay in a stressed, exhausted, or place of burnout. There is, there is a, there is a better way. Mm-hmm. And in the forward, I have the copy of the book right here in the forward pastor of uh, pastor Ray at Bayside out in California, Bayside church. He talks about, he, yeah. he puts boundaries around himself that prevent discouragement. Cause what he has discovered is discouragement often leads to destruction. And so it's what can I do to to not get to a place of discouragement? Because when I do, it doesn't go well. Something destroyed in me. I destroy relationships. I make decisions. You know, et cetera. So for you today, it's you don't have to be there. There is there is another way, and I believe that the Lord wants that for you. 
We just have to step into that and do the hard work mm -hmm. to embrace that better way. Yeah. Well, I know for me, rhythms, especially coming at this from an entrepreneur slash ministry leader perspective, um, like you get into entrepreneurship and business ownership because like for me, one of the big draws was I've a lot of freedom like that there I can, Hey, I'm going to go run my own company so I can do whatever mm -hmm. I want. Right. And so you, there's a desire for freedom in your work and, and with that comes, I can work whenever I want. I can play whenever I want. I can, like just do things whenever I want. I don't have to have any, I don't have to show up at a certain time when someone tells me I need mm -hmm. to be there. I don't have to stop working when somebody tells me I have to stop working. Like if I want to burn the midnight oil, I can do that because, Hey, I don't have to, I don't answer to anybody. Um, but what I found was there was so much more freedom in creating rhythms um, and I didn't find this out and figure this out till way later in my career than I wanted to, or probably should have. Uh, but those rhythms were so important. And it, it felt like when I first started doing it, it felt like I was putting constraints and bars around myself. And it felt like this, I was imprisoning myself almost. And what I found was within those rhythms and within those disciplines and within those structures, I found far more freedom than I had when I just did whatever I want, showed up whenever I want, worked whenever I wanted. Um, so what you're saying is definitely ring true for me in my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure we take time to hear from today's sponsor. So uh, let's do that. But when we come back, I want to continue our discussion uh, with Jason Young. Are you looking to grow your ministry but don't have the money or marketing knowledge to make that happen? There's good news. Google offers an advertising grant to churches and ministries that is worth $10,000 per month. This means that if your ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit, you are eligible to receive $120,000 per year in free advertising dollars. This allows you to place ads at the top of Google search results pages and drive thousands of visitors to your ministry website every month. Our sponsor, Click Nonprofit, helps your ministry acquire this Google ad grant manages your Google ads to ensure you get the most out of the grant. Schedule a free consultation at clicknonprofit.com to learn more about how this grant can help your specific ministry. Mention the Ministry Grove Show when you sign up to get 20% on your first three months of end. All right, welcome back to Ministry Growth Show. We've been talking with Jason Young. Uh, about his book, Don't Burn Out, Burn Bright. Um, Jason, how can, what are some tangible ways that leaders can address and overcome discouragement in their leadership journey? What are the things that they can do right now, some easy wins that uh, can give them, get them moving in the right direction, maybe help them realize, like you said, you talked about the assessment, but help, help them realize um, whether or not they're in a place of uh, moving towards burnout or exhaustion or stress. What are some tangible takeaways that I can we can share with them? Well, audience? I mean, yes, uh, the the assessment can be helpful. Uh, I think sometimes leaders can self-impose a burden that they should be good enough to figure it out themselves because that's what we do with other people. We help other people. Unfortunately, <laughs> most of us aren't that good, and that's okay. We need other people. It's what we were referring to earlier. Um, so I would say, you know, inviting someone into your life. In fact, we talk about 11 types of people that you can invite into your life. Maybe it's worth, you know, looking through that, that list. It could be a therapist. It could be, you know, a, a trusted friend, but it's somebody that can help you. They're almost like a mirror to you. So that is a, a practical way. Um, another practical way is I suspect that you already feel a certain way about something or you sense something's not right. I think that's where you can, you know, either you you know the plan because it's something very tangible that you can make a quick change. Um, you know, I think, you know, exercising and food and 
you know, saying, no, Dr. Nicole has this, she's a psychologist. She has this way of saying no in order to maximize your yeses. And when somebody asks you to do something and you want to say no, a lot of times we don't know how to say no. And, and she talks about kind of this equation of appreciation. Hey, thank you for asking me to blah, 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 blah. I'm going to be unable to do it because, you know, schedule or whatever, but I really hope your event uh, goes well. So it's like appreciation, no well wishes, right? So in my back pocket, if I have something very tangible and it's like, oh, I don't know how to say no. So I'm just going to say yes, even though I have no schedule to do it. Now it's like, hey, thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do it because I'm blah, 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 blah. But I really do appreciate the impact that your podcast has on church leaders around the world. I just told you no. So I think, you know, there's some things that we can do. I think evaluating it yourself, if you feel like, man, I'm, I have been sensing some things. And maybe if you're married, you know, talk to your spouse about it. Maybe another pastor, maybe a trusted friend. Um, again, a, a counselor, therapist, you know, things of that nature that uh, can help you realize it's kind of like going to the mall when those were like cool back in the day and I needed to go to a particular store, but I had to go to the kiosk, go like, all right, where am I? I think we've got to figure out where we are in order to make the best decision to get where we need to be. So I think it's that place. Where are you? What do you need? What do you not have? Who do you need? Who do you not need? Right? So I think it's just asking these basic questions but not doing it in isolation because that's probably part of the reason you got to where you are. Well, what it sounds like bringing it back to book that, um, that I really like is it it almost seems like the, this book is a a toolbox, not just a, a thought, um, exploration on, on rest and how to not burn out, but really like, here's some tangible ways that you can work to avoid this. Um, (laughs) so I would say, I, I would say a lot of us do things because we're trying to avoid other things. Um, Mm. I think some of us avoid rest because we're trying to avoid other things. And I think it, I think sometimes we, we, this is not a word I'm making this up. We nobleize um, some of our work so it feels worthy and therefore we can justify avoiding the thing that we really need to do versus I need to do that. You know, and I think sometimes we don't do some of these things like rest or you know, um, some spiritual disciplines, some relational things, because I think that we're different somehow and we don't need it as much as other people. Hmm. And at the same time, I think some believe that, but I'm not sure we all believe that. And I think if you do believe that, that's a real dangerous place to be because you're going to find yourself alone and having to crawl out of a hole at some point. So I would say maybe we need to quit avoiding things that we've been avoiding and face things so we can actually experience the joy that God wants us to experience. And spend more effort pursuing than avoiding. Well, let's take another break for uh, today's sponsor. But when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Jason Young. Hi, church leaders. Today's episode is sponsored by Kingdom Stories. When it comes to your digital marketing and content strategies, have you ever wondered how you can use the power of storytelling and testimony? Imagine the impact. Stories and testimonies that resonate, that move hearts and minds. Testimonies that prepare people to receive gospel truths. Here's the problem. 
you're busy doing ministry and you don't have time to worry about your content strategies. And you definitely don't have time to worry about one more program. You already have way too much on your plate. The consequences? You're not taking full advantage of digital. The content you do post gets ignored. You have no plan or strategy for your digital engagement. And ultimately, God doesn't get the glory he deserves because we're not testifying of his transformational and redemptive work. What would it look like if your people knew how to share their testimonies? Your monthly content strategies were filled with stories instead of self-promotional content. And your content was focused on your people and God's work in their lives. What if your content was actually engaging because it was story-driven? Kingdom Stories is more than just a service. It's a catalyst for transformative digital communication. Stories change lives. Stories are engaging, and everyone has a story. What has happened in my life can happen in your life, too. Here's the best part. You don't have to do any of the heavy lifting. Kingdom Stories will handle everything from start to finish. If you want to learn more or get our free content strategy map that will outline the entire process, go to kingdomstories.us. We know how overwhelming and frustrating content strategies and digital marketing marketing can be. We know how overwhelming and frustrating content strategies and digital marketing can be. So we've solved that problem for you. Stop creating aimless content. Let us help you tell the stories coming out of your ministry. Let stories and testimonies fuel your church's digital All right, welcome back to Ministry Growth Show. We've been talking with Jason Young on, man, if you actually, if you look at what God has invited us into, right, to be in partnership with him in this redemptive story of humanity, that's a crazy yeah. invitation, right? There should be a ton of joy in participating in that, whether it's inside of a vocational ministry context or any other type of like or outside of it there should be a lot of joy in that invitation to get to t- partake in that and like you said so often it ends up being something that causes so much anxiety and stress and exhaustion and frustration and i mean relationships mm. are messy relationship yeah. is messy it's a messy process and so that's the vocational ministry is so relational and so it's going to come with baggage but um there should be so much joy in participating in partnership with the king in this redemptive narrative and so and how can we do that so one thing i'll say i love zach is is you know you, you lead us to to the end of this particular conversation dr shore Years ago, you talked about joy. I never heard a, mm-hmm. and, and Jim Wilder picked up on this and has done more work in this joy space. Uh, Barbara Moon is another voice in this space. But what's so fascinating is when you hear them describe joy and it's the sparkle in someone's eye that you can see, that you can feel, because when they look at you, they are glad to be with you and you feel that. That they are glad to be with you. And I think about the king of the world. And there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about how he wants to be with us. And if we could slow down long enough to be reminded of what you just said and the grandeur of creation and all of the people in the world, he loves to be with me. He loves to be with you. And when I really grasped the depth mm. and the impact of that, that brings me joy and that can bring you joy. And when that happens, it fuels me for other people and for other things, but primarily it fuels me with him. Uh-huh. That's good. I want to end there. If people want to get a hold of you and learn more about what you're doing, if they want to get the book. Yeah. So you show. can go to drjasonyoung.com. That sounds super fancy, but there's a, uh, there's some different stuff there. You could check it out. Or if you're like, ah, I don't want to, I don't care about uh, anything about you. Just get me straight to the book. You can go to don't burn out, burn bright.com. 
Awesome. I'll put the show the links in the show notes. Uh, as we yeah, wrap up, can you, I Zach. pray for you? Father, I just lift up Jason. Thank you for this conversation. What a blessing it was to me. I pray that it would be a blessing to our listeners and um, yeah, that you would just work in the hearts of minds of ministry leaders all over the country and all over the world who are maybe feeling stressed and exhausted and moving towards um, this trend of burnout that seems to be on the uprise. And so uh, we just pray that you would step into that um, and that ministry leaders would find the joy and in, in partnership with you and that, that there's so much joy to be had in that invitation. Father, I lift up Jason and his team and um, him and his partner in this book, that the book would that you would give it favor and blessing and that uh, a lot of ministry leaders would get a hold of it and, and take what's in it seriously, Father. Um, but we just thank you so much that we get to be part of what you're doing and we get to be in partnership with you and that you want to be with us. Like Jason said, like there's the fact that the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth wants to be in intimate relationship with us is just crazy. And so there's so much joy to be had in that Lord. We love you in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. My Amen. friend, Jason, thanks so much for being on the Thank show. You, Appreciate it. See you buddy. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.